Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. This week, if you're taking notes, we're gonna answer a great question that I think is very helpful. Uh, And here's the question that we're gonna be answering today. How do I deal with difficult people? How do I deal with difficult people? Come on, that just spoke to some of you. God just spoke to you like, oh yes, I am ready to be able to deal with some difficult people because I got some difficult people in my life. And uh, let me just encourage you before we jump into God's word, I just wanna encourage you to lean in today. Uh, you, you may be new around here. You need to know we are a lean in church, uh, meaning that we don't come here to play games. We don't come here to go through some religious motion. We don't come here to put on a church mask and walk out of here like the same as we walked in. No, but we come full of faith, expecting that God of the universe wants to speak directly to our lives. And listen, I don't want you to lean in to hear from me. I want you to lean in so that you can hear from God today. And I think a big part of that is how we posture our heart and the expectation that we bring to this moment right here. And so let's pray. Let's invite God to do what only he can do over the next few minutes. So God, we are so grateful for your word. I ask that it, it literally comes alive like never before over the next few minutes. And God, we, we give you our whole life, everything, and we, we open up ourselves fully to you. Regardless of where we are in our journey with you, in our relationship with you, God, we open up our entire life to you and we give you permission to speak into any area of our life. You set the agenda today of whatever that you want to talk about. Our answer is yes, because we don't want to just hear from a person. We want to hear directly from you so that we can walk out of here different than how we walked in. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And it's through him that we pray. And everybody said... Amen. How do I deal with difficult people? Just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever had to deal with difficult people? Let me just see your hands. Let me see. That's good. We're all on the same page. How many of you have had to deal with a difficult person this week? Anybody ever had to deal with a difficult person this week? How many of you are dealing with a difficult person right now? Just like right now, this present to Like how many of you are sitting next to the difficult person? Do not raise your hand. Do not. Do not. (laughs) I do want you to know that if you don't have an answer for any of those, like you are probably the difficult person for somebody else. And so just so you know, but the truth is, and here's why you ask this question. The truth is we all deal with difficult people. Like nobody is exempt from dealing with difficult people. And and we do in so many different places. Like in our family, there's difficult people. And at our jobs, there's difficult people. Like you may have a difficult boss. Some of you may have difficult clients that you have to deal with over and over and over again. You know, maybe a coworker. Maybe for some of you, it it is like on social media. I mean, that's a landmine for difficult people. There's just difficult people everywhere. If you log on Facebook, it is full of difficult people. And You know, there's so many times where everywhere we go, there are difficult people. And let's be honest, sometimes we are the difficult people. I mean, we're a lot, you know, if you think about it. Like, so sometimes even when you look in the mirror, you're like, that's a difficult person. And we just, there's difficult people all the time. So the question is, how do we deal 
with difficult people. Now, let me just say this, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, like if you're saved, if you're a Christian, if you made the decision to follow Jesus, the Bible is very clear that we are called to love all people, all people. And by the way, that includes really, really difficult people. Like we are called to love all people. In fact, Jesus was asked this question, like what's the most important commandment? And what, like out of all the things, what are the things that I need to do right, Jesus? And he answered in Matthew chapter 22, in verse 37, he says, you must love the Lord your God with everything, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And I'm good with that one. That one makes sense to me. Like, okay, God, I get it. I'm supposed to love you with everything that I have. But the problem is, it, it, there's another verse. And he goes, like, this is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. He said, Jesus, what's the most important? He said, here's two. And so he says, here's, here's a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then in first John chapter four, verse 21, listen to what this says. It says the command we have from Christ, from Jesus is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Now, my question today and the question that we're answering is how do you do that and how do you do that well whenever that person and the people are difficult? Now, the truth is I could have gone so many different directions with this message. And as I prayed and thought about like, okay, God, what do you want to say to our church this week? The truth is that like we could have gone so many different directions because the Bible talks so much about how we should treat people. In fact, like there are so many verses and stories and examples cover to cover from Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament and New Testament of how to treat people. So if you really want to know how to treat difficult people, let me just tell you the most practical advice that I would give you. We're going to unpack some stuff, but the most practical advice I could give you is to read this book every single day. Read your Bible because when you read your Bible every day, I promise you multiple times a week, he's going to talk to you about how you should treat people, including the people that are difficult. But as I started praying and thinking about this message and how to answer this question, God led me to some really like powerful verses from Ephesians chapter four. And these verses are written by a guy named Paul. And he's Apostle Paul that wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. And this book is actually a letter that is written to a church in a city called Ephesus. So Ephesians, that's, it, it, is, it is a group of people, it's a church. And Paul's writing to this church that he actually helped start. And I'm just telling you right now, these verses have impacted my day-to-day -day life on a profound level. I'm telling you, these verses, if you're talking about like, sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, I don't really get it. I don't see how this applies to my life. It is not the case with these verses. And so just so you know, I'm gonna tell you straight up, Paul's about to get all up in your kitchen. He is. He is not gonna mess around. He's gonna step on your toes. There's gonna be things like, ooh, ow, oh man, I can't believe it. And he's gonna, he won't even care. He's gonna get all up in your kitchen over the next few minutes. And, he, and for some of these verses, he just goes right for the jugular. I mean, it just goes, it's, just cuts you just right, right there. But I want you to understand like his heart behind this is that he's like a good surgeon. And so he will cut you only to heal you. 
Like he, he, he doesn't cut you to stab you, even though it kind of feels like he's, you're being stabbed. But what he's doing, he's, he's only cut like a good surgeon. He's only gonna cut you to heal you. Aren't you excited to read these verses from Ephesians chapter four? Okay, here we go. Dig in, here we go. Uh, this is what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. He just says, in your anger, you're dealing with some difficult people, you get angry, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So this week, as I read those verses, those seven verses, I really felt like God highlighted some of these things and they jumped off the page. Because something that I noticed is that four different times, there's things that stood out to me of things that he said, do not and so today, I just want to share you that, and, and they all deal with dealing with difficult people. And so here's the very first thing that he said. He said, number one, in your anger, do not sin. Right there in verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. And here's what I want you to notice, and it's very important, that this verse does not say, do not get angry. That's not what this says. It says, in your anger, do not sin, which means being angry is not wrong. That being angry is not a sin. Now, what you do when you're angry can be wrong and can be a sin, but being angry is not a sin. And here's why. Because anger is an emotion. And the truth is, is that if you read in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, that we are all made in the image of God with emotions. And we're made with emotions. So it's not a sin to feel an emotion that God gave you. And we have to get to a point, especially in the body of Christ, where we're hiding from emotions and saying that emotion is bad. Now, I don't wanna be led by my emotions, but I don't wanna sit there and say that I don't have them. Why? Because we're made in the image of God with emotions. And I'm telling you, I, when I was younger, I had what counselors called an anger problem. <laughs> I did. And I went to professional counseling. I was forced to go in elementary school to professional counseling for anger. And this is what I remember over and over again was the message, don't get angry. And I'm telling you, we gotta get away from that. To be emotionally healthy, we have to feel all emotion. And so like, wait, like, and that's not what this says. It says in your anger, do not sin. And um, here's what that means. This is what encourages me so much. That means that it's possible to get angry and not sin. Come on, isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, so I'm like, that, that fires me up. I'm like, yes, I can get angry. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I have to sin. That encourages me, that blesses my soul. And Jesus actually shows us how to do this. In Mark chapter three, in verses one and two and five, it says this, another time, Jesus went to the synagogue 
and a man with a shriveled hand was there, and some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they washed him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And then in verse five, it says, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed that their stubborn heart said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So right there in black and white, the Bible says that Jesus himself got angry, the son of God, that he got angry. But the Bible also says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, it says this high priest of ours talking about Jesus that he understands our weakness. He understands what it's like to have people drive him crazy. He understands what it's like to have difficult people and to get angry. He understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So Jesus himself shows us that anger is not a sin and that it's possible to get angry and to not sin. So when you and I are dealing with difficult people and they are driving us crazy in your anger, do not sin. The second thing that he says right after that, he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. He says that. Right after, he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, don't go to bed. Don't let the day come to an end while you're still angry and hurt and offended and upset. And Paul is saying, like, like don't do that. Like, fight the urge. Fight the temptation to just stuff it or to sweep it under the emotional rug, or to rationalize it, or to not deal with it. He says, no, like instead, I want you to deal with it. Now this verse, I think it points to this powerful truth. And write this down, because this is a powerful truth when you think about it, is that according to this verse, that the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. Like it's really important for you to catch that. That the day of your hurt, the day that you're offended, the day that you're struggling, like the day of your hurt, according to this, if we do things God way, it should also be the day of your healing. I'm telling you, this principle has helped me so much in my relationships that whenever there's been difficult situations or just straight up difficult people, just applying this principle has been something that has affected my relationships. It has affected my friendships. It has affected like relationships with family. It has affected like relationships with coworkers. It has helped me so much. And if you're married in here, I'm telling you, that's a principle that you need to write down and get it tattooed on your neck. Just make sure that no matter what, that it's like, you know what? We're not going to go to bed angry. We're not gonna do it. And this has helped Heather and I so much in our marriage. And yes, we fight. That may shock you. But we do. Oh yeah, we do. And like we, it's more than just like intense disagreements. Like no, like sometimes we have some, we have some fights. And you do too. Don't come into church acting like you got everything good together. No, like sometimes that happens. And I'm telling you, we even did a message series on relationships one time that it was like, hey, like, here's the truth. Like, the goal isn't to not fight, it's to fight right. And the, the truth is, like, we fight, and this is one of the ways to fight right, 
is to say when, when, when we're there, we are not, and I'm telling you, sometimes it's so inconvenient. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes it's straight up annoying. But the truth is we've made a decision. We're not going to go to bed with this, this little elephant in the room that can grow into something bigger. Come on. How many of you know that baby elephants in the room can grow into big elephants in the room? And so it's really important. This thing says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And here's why. Because unresolved conflict doesn't go away. It just grows. It doesn't go away. So like small things end up turning into bigger things. And big things can turn into those destructive things. You know, because sometimes if we just sweep it under the emotional rug, then over time, there's something that's going to just trigger everything. And all of a sudden, it's really, really bad. So when you're dealing with difficult people, Paul says, number two, like, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Then he says this right after this. Number three, he says, do not give the devil a foothold in verse 27. And here's the reality. The reality is that every single one of us is going to get angry. Like, we're, we're gonna get frustrated. We're going to... Uh, be offended at some point, like it's inevitable. There's a good chance that it even may happen today. There's a good chance that somebody's going to say something to you, do something to you that you won't like. There's a chance that you may watch something on the news or read something on social media that like, I don't like that. That fires me up. There's even a good chance that over the next few minutes, I got 15 more minutes to offend you. But there's going to be times in life. It is inevitable. And here's what I've learned. Here's a massive principle I want you to take away today is that being offended, that is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. It's really important to grasp that today is that it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's when. There's going to be times where you're going to be offended. And being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. And the truth is that no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens around you, you still have a choice with how you respond. And Paul says right here in Ephesians chapter four, that we have to be very careful in those moments because if we're not careful, we can give the devil what this scripture says is a foothold. Now, I don't know what you like, like what you picture when you hear that word, to give the devil a foothold. But in the original Greek, the word is tapas. And it just literally means this, a place or a room. That's what it means. So when it says, do not give the devil a foothold, it's do not give the devil a place or a room. Think of it this way. That unresolved, undealt with anger, frustration, or offense it gives a room in your house to the devil, who the Bible says is a father of lies, the prince of darkness, that he just moves right on in whenever that's the case. It's an open door for him to move in. In John 10, 10, it says like exactly what his whole agenda is. And it says this, it says that the thief, talking about the devil, that he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Like that is his job description. That's what he does 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, never takes a day off. Holidays goes into double time when you're around some of those people. Yeah, that's a, we can amen that. We just relate. Let's just get real. But that's his job. That's his agenda. 
I want you to understand today that there's a very real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life that's good. Everything. He wants to steal and kill and destroy your future, your calling, your influence, your relationships, your marriage, everything. And he wants to do everything that he can do to keep you critical, to keep you angry, to keep you easily offended and frustrated so that you look like the rest of the world. And that's the truth. Is that, is that that's one of the massive schemes of the enemy when it comes to relationships is to make sure that you're so bent out of shape that you look like everybody else. But let me just tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you were never created by God to fit in. You were created to stand out. So when you're dealing with difficult people, he just says, do not give the devil a foothold. And then there's one more do not that I wanna highlight. And I just tell you, like, this one is this one's hard. And the fourth one says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. When you're dealing with difficult people, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I hate this one. Oh, I hate it. Just gets all up in my business with this one. And uh, this verse I get asked a lot, like, what's your favorite verse? And I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. Just if you read through it, there's a lot of gold in there. But I can tell you there's no one verse that has affected my day-to-day life more than Ephesians 4.29, where it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, the reason why this means so much to me is because there was a time in my life um, where I was just a butthead. I was just mean. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. And I apparently had a really bad heart because what was coming out of my mouth was just very negative and critical. And I was making fun of everything and everybody. And it was like very locker room talk. If there's people that kind of know what that means. And, um, you know, it was just, I, I was just, just my, my, I just, and I felt so much conviction in the Holy Spirit. I, I remember reading this and I was like, oh, I do that really bad. Like really, really bad. And uh, I knew I needed help, and I knew that the Holy Spirit convicted me that this is something that I need to do. And so I just didn't read this verse or print it out or put it somewhere. Like I, I did, the, I did to make sure that I needed to like internal. I had to memorize it because I needed to bust this out like 30, 40 times a day. Like just hey, make sure. And you know, if you if you look at Matthew chapter four, when Jesus got tempted by the devil, every single time he attacked it with scripture. And, you know, like he wasn't like, where's my Bible at? I know I read this earlier and just like, he doesn't do, like I underlined it. I remember it was like halfway through, you know, it's like, he doesn't do that. He has it in his heart. And so I'm just telling you, like, if this is something that just very practical, like if there's something you're dealing with, like find a scripture, memorize it so that you can attack with it every single time that that you can. And I had to do that with this. And what I learned is that when I memorized this, every single part like got deeper and deeper into my issues. Because it starts by saying, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Any. Yeah, but what if I'm joking? Do not let any. I don't like that. 
But what, but what if it's just like playing around? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that even my language and how I speak should be about other people, not me. The fact that when I speak, that my words should build others up around me. So do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That, that, like, think about that. Think about how selfless you have to be, that even your words are thinking about other people. It's about their needs, not what I need. I'm constantly thinking about how I can help other people and what their needs are, even in my language. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And then it throws in this last message that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, that I should speak in such a life-giving way that if I was gonna have a conversation with Miko and you just happened to overhear it, it should benefit your life. Whoa, that just took it to a whole nother level. And so think about this verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Okay, that's all the time, right? Including when you're dealing with difficult people. That when you're dealing with a situation and it's difficult, that this verse still applies. Listen, church, our words matter. Our words are powerful. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says the tongue, our words can bring death or life. That's why somebody can say something to us and it affects us for years. That's why. And Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter four, he says, when you're dealing with difficult people, listen, guys, it's not a green light to say anything you want to them or about them. It's not a green light for you to say whatever you want to their face or behind their back. And here's a sobering verse from Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, where Jesus says, you can be sure of this. Mark it down when the day of judgment comes, which will happen to all of us. Everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken, including when it comes to dealing with some difficult people. So when you're dealing with difficult people, Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And then right after that, he switches from this list of do not do this, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. And then he actually tells us what to do. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 31 and 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. That's unhealthy, toxic anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I love that last verse. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How different would our relationships look if we lived that verse this week? How different would our families look and our, and our, our, our job spaces look? How would our friendships look? How would, if we lived that verse? Now, I've read those verses like hundreds of times, but this week there was something that jumped out about these two verses 
that I don't think I've ever really noticed before. And I felt like when I was reading those verses, I felt I noticed that like, it's impossible to do those things from far away. Like to do those things, you have to be close. And let me just tell you that is so different than what culture says. That is so countercultural. That is different than what the world says because the world says that when someone becomes difficult, when someone frustrates you, when somebody offends you, when somebody hurts you, when somebody makes you angry, when somebody disagrees with you, when somebody thinks different than you, when somebody acts different than you, like the response to that is not to bring them close, but to cancel them, to block them, to mute them. We even have a term for it called cancel culture. Is that when somebody's difficult, man, you push them as far away as you can. You relationally stiff arm them so that they cannot do that ever again. You cancel them, you mute them, you block them. You just keep them at a distance and it's so easy. It's in fact the cultural norm for us to keep difficult people at a distance. And here's what I've learned. You can do that. But the principle behind when you do that is that distance, it creates distortion. In other words, when something is far away, it's really hard to see it. So when you take difficult people and you push them as far away as possible, and you like the truth is that you can't see them clearly anymore. Like you'll never be able to understand who they are. You'll never be understand, understand like why they do what they do. You'll never understand, get this, why they are quote, difficult because they're far away. And as long as they are at a distance, judgment will be high and compassion and understanding, I promise you it will be low because distance, it creates distortion. But there's another principle that's just as true. And that is that proximity, that creates perspective. So distance creates distortion, but proximity being close, that actually creates perspective. That when you care enough to get close, when you care enough to have relationship, when you care enough to hear their story, to seek to understand that the proximity creates much needed perspective. And I'm just saying, maybe if you got close, maybe your heart would actually change towards that person. That if you got close, maybe then you would understand. Maybe you would have compassion. If you got close, maybe that difficult person wouldn't be so difficult, or you would at least understand why they're so difficult. And it's amazing how getting close can change everything. I found this brilliant African proverb this week that says this, that when I saw him from afar, I thought he was a monster. And when he got closer, I thought he was just an animal. And when he got closer, I recognized that he was a human. And when we were finally face to face, I realized he was my brother. You see, Distance creates distortion, but proximity, it creates perspective. And here's the truth today, church. Nobody did this better than Jesus. 
nobody. Nobody did this better than Jesus who left the comfort of heaven to be close to difficult people like you and like me. That's what he did. Who chose proximity over distance, who chose being close over being far away. And here's the amazing thing. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that's who we are called to be. That's the example we are called to follow. So let us be a people. Let us be a church who doesn't just cancel difficult people or people that are different than us or think differently than us. Like, let's not be people who cancel people, who blocks people, who mutes people, who keeps difficult people at a distance. Let us be people. Let us be a church who loves and who brings all people, even difficult people, close. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And before we end today, I want you to take a moment and simply ask God, what are you saying to me today? I'm gonna ask you to do that. Pray that prayer, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey today. Ask him, God, what are you saying to me today? What's a tangible next step that I need to take today? Maybe ask him, what does my response need to be to this message? And maybe today there's something that you need to do when it comes to relationships with other people. But maybe for some of you, you need to do something about your relationship with God. Maybe you find yourself at church and right now you feel so far away from God. He feels like a million miles away. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God. You've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you have in the past, but today, you find yourself just far from God and you need a fresh start. You need to come back to God. The truth is that's what God wants. God wants a relationship with you. And he sent his son, Jesus, to pay the ultimate price so that that's possible. Now, all we have to do is receive and say, I want it. I want that type of relationship with you. And we wanna give you that opportunity today. We're not gonna point you out, make you come forward, embarrass you in any way. All I wanna do is I wanna lead you in a very simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, meaning that you wanna get right with God, you need to come to him, you need to start a relationship with him or you need to restart your relationship with him. I'm gonna encourage you on the count of three in just a moment, just to raise your hand and say, include me in that prayer. That is my response. That's what I need to do today. And if you're here and that's you, I want you to boldly, with every eye closed, put your hand up in the air and say, include me in that prayer. That's my response. One, two, three. If that's you, just put it up. Yeah, I got you. Put it up high. Let me see. Let me see. That's great. That's great. That's great. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Proud of you. Proud of you. Proud of you. You can put your hand down and just pray something like this, just directly from your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me and change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything. I give you my life. And today, I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. And today, I start or restart a brand new relationship with you. And I choose to follow you. Not me, not my ways, but your ways. And I thank you so much for Jesus who set that example, who came close, didn't keep us at a distance, but loved and accepted 
us, so many difficult people. We are so grateful today for that example of Jesus and we receive everything that he has for us today. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on church, I want you to clap your hands and celebrate. Come on with those people that just made that decision, it's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 